Welcome to episode number 20 of the Ministry Story Podcast. My name is David Tonin, your host, and today is Friday, the 20th of January, 2012. This is the first episode of the new year, and so I know that it's going to speak to those of you who have been in or are in church leadership positions, and you've ever wondered, how can we be more effective connecting with our community outside the walls of our church, outside of Sunday morning? If that's ever run through your mind, this episode's for you, and I know that you'll be inspired. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Ministry Story Podcast. Please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your ministry story. Uh, hi, my name is Matt Whitman. I, uh, I live in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I'm a dad and a husband and a runner, and uh, I'm involved in about 38 or 39 different ministries and charities, and I do about uh, 40 hours a week of volunteer charitable work and about uh, one hour a week of my day job, and I just make sure that that one hour a week is, uh, is a, a sale so that I can afford to keep doing all this other stuff for free. So what is your actual employment? Uh, my day job is I'm a life insurance salesman, and uh, my wife would like me to, uh, to mention that on the air so that if, uh, if anyone needs life insurance, they contact me. That's right, and I'm sure they will. I hope so. I'll encourage that. I'll Thank provide you. a link later. Thank you. Uh, you know, one of the interesting things that people need to know as you're listening to this is that Matt and I have known each other for about a decade. Mm-hmm. We used to work in the same for the same publishing company, yeah. even though it was different divisions. Yeah. And so we're both sales guys by, by sort of training, and, and we both have a very strong passion for sales and marketing. And, and one of the things that I love about Matt, and besides being just the exuberant Christian guy that he is, is he is the uber networker Hmm. so tell us a little bit about the networking side of who you are and maybe introduce the concept of what reverse networking is because that's that's kind of your your trademark yeah that's my thing um about five years ago i was uh called the king of networking and uh because someone else said it about me i i i kind of use that title now i like it but what scares me is that some people have a real negative um, connotation of what networking is. Mm. You know, networking is often seen as something that's superficial or um, plasticky or uh, you know, po- politicians do it. It's sort of about self-gain. And so I've, I've moved away from the term networking and I prefer connecting. Mm. So I'm all about connecting with people and making more friends and having better impact and uh, you know, doing more and focusing on your strengths and on your talents. My baby, the thing that I invented over the past 20 years is called reverse networking. And the basic premise is reverse networking is promoting others rather than promoting yourself. Mm -hmm. And the idea is if I say I'm the best at what I do, you discount it because I'm saying it. But if someone else says, you got to meet Matt Whitman, he'll help you with this, or it it means much more. It's much more authentic. It's much more um, believable and, uh, and much more humble on my end not to talk about myself. Well, and what it also does, really, as I'm thinking about it, is it it leverages the person who's saying the good. It leverages the trust they have within their network. So I'm not going to say, oh, you should talk to Matt Whitman about life insurance if I don't believe that you are indeed the credible guy with integrity and all of that. I'll refer somebody else because I know, you know, a dozen life insurance guys. Right. I could refer any of them, but I would refer you because, A, of my relationship with you, but also I trust you. And, yeah. and then my, my voice will be trusted to those I'm recommending. That's right. And I think if uh, if you're the only person um, saying good things about yourself, something's broken. Right. Um, you shouldn't have to um, talk about yourself. You should want to talk about others. You should want to focus on others. You, you should want to do unto others. Um, in John 5.31 is where the reverse networking concept was originally uh, uh, invented by Jesus. And he says, if I testify about myself, it's void. 
And so we're the witnesses of Jesus. And uh, so I'd rather talk about other people rather than talk about myself. And that's how I make a living now. It's hard to um, to start off and go 100% um, reverse networking and promoting others rather than yourself. But you could do a little better. You could do an hour a day or an hour a week or at least an hour a month where for one hour you stop thinking about yourself and selling your widgets and your quotas or even, you know, in church context, thinking about your church, uh, your congregation, you know, growing and your numbers and all these things that people think about and just start thinking about people. Right. Um, one of my favorite books I read about the church is called The Church of Irresistible Influence. And uh, it's it's true for the church. It's true for outside the church. If the church disappeared, would anyone notice? Would anyone be upset? And if I disappeared, would anyone notice? Would anyone be upset? You know, lots of people can sell you life insurance, but not anyone can um, help you get a job or find a church or a charity or help you find a wife or a husband or all those things that you need. And uh, I get my business by helping people with what they actually need. And then when they need what I've got, they'll come and get it. Exactly. And that, and that's a brilliant way of looking at things. How does that transition? Let's talk a little bit more about specifically how does a pastor or how mm. does a church leadership team leverage that concept for the good of their church internally and externally? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, For in the church, I guess... The sooner that everyone at the church realizes that it's not just the pastor's job to uh, to promote the church, it's not just the pastor's job to help people get saved, it's not just the. Pa- you know, I think some people think that when they give that check on Sunday morning, they've outsourced the need for them to do any any of the good. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'll bring my if I do bring my friend out to church, that's a good first step, and then my pastor will you know get him across the finish line and help him get saved. Right. Um, so I think it's up to everyone in the church to not only promote the church they go to but better yet, to promote Jesus. And uh, my whole thing about evangelism is you can't evangelize to someone you don't know. Um, I can't sell stuff to someone I don't know. I've only done business with friends. Um, In my case, I have 5,000 Facebook friends. I would say 4,500 of them don't go to any church. Mm -hmm. So sort of the opposite of most Christians. A lot of Christians I know don't know of anyone who doesn't go to church. So They don't really know who to invite or who to give uh, something special to because everyone they know is a church friend. And uh, I'm not about Sunday mornings. I'm about the rest of the week. I'm about all the folks that don't go to church. And so I guess for pastors, if they could just get the people that are sitting in the pews to um, to get comfortable with telling others about what's important to them. Don't sneak off to church on Sunday morning and drive by your neighbor's house. And you, the neighbor probably knows where you're going, but you've never told them. And it's time to uh, you know, to come out of the closet as an evangelical Christian and uh, to spread the good news. There's no there's no risk. Um, you, you can't be much more popular or you know successful or th- than than I've had in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and um, I've lost nothing by being a uh, a born again Christian in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Here I am, and uh, there's no risk, there's no fear. But interestingly, um, and this wasn't originally part of what we were going to talk about, but it brings me back to like 10 years ago when I first met you, right? One of the comments I made to my wife, and I think I've shared this with you before, yes, you one, of, one of the comments I made to my wife when I first met Matt and we sat down for coffee, you were still trying to figure out how to be a Christian True. in the marketplace. True. And so you had separate lives. You had your Christian life and you had your work life, yeah. but they didn't overlap that well. Yeah. And I said to my wife, I said, when Matt, when God finally gets a hold of Matt and he can be free in his spirituality and, and let the two worlds cross, yeah. he'll have amazing impact in our city for God's glory. And, and, and that has happened. And so yeah. h- how, maybe if you can even think about it, like how was it that you came from being sort of, as you referred to it, being in the closet yeah. as a Christian? Okay. And how did you finally come to the point or what did you have to do personally to decide I'm not going to lead two separate lives. I'm yeah. going to lead one interconnected life. 
Yeah, really good question. I love it when you and I chat about this. And uh, the whole thing is, it's a moving target. So it seems like I've I've got there. I'm I'm still going there, mm-hmm. and I'm doing a better job than I used to. Um, a, a few big things that helped me. Um, when I read, I call him Saint Rick, but Rick Warren's um, Purpose Driven Life. I hope yeah. he's listening. Uh, <laughs> changed my life. Yeah, um, I've read it a hundred times. I started the uh, Purpose Driven Lunch back in two thousand and four. We had people come out to lunch, and we'd read a different chapter every week, and uh, that helped me. Um, Bill Hybels just walk across the room about three D evangelism. Yeah. Oh, you know, if your church hasn't gone through that and done that, you got to get at that. Just walk across the room by Bill Hybels. That was the big two, and then more recently, social media. What I love about social media, like Facebook and LinkedIn, and especially Facebook, is it exposes you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so a lot of people are afraid of social media because it'll expose them. I wonder, you know, what are you doing that you don't want exposed? And don't only don't put it on Facebook, but don't do it. So in my case, all my Christian friends can see everything I'm into and all my other friends that don't go to church can see everything I'm into and I'm totally exposed and people can see that I'm happy I'm content I get along with my wife and my kids I'm successful and um and it's it's all working and Jesus gets all the credit for all of it there's no um there's no secrets and I think that people that a lot of people one of the reasons they may not want to be on there is because they're trying to keep something a secret and if it's something you really love you don't keep it a secret right well and I think some of it's that and some of it's fear Mm. fear of being judged as oh well you're you're uh, a Christian or you're born again, which has a bad connotation in our culture often. And I know I struggled even with that, too. Like, it's not like I've been always this, you know, uh, confident guy in my spirituality and letting it letting the lines cross. Mm. Because even in our corporate workplaces, like there's a there our culture in our corporate workplaces often says, um, you know, don't don't talk about your spirituality yeah. in the workplace. Yeah. But if if you're really a growing and maturing Christian believer, you can't help but let the two worlds over, overlap. And yeah. so I think one of the battles that a lot of people in churches struggle with that are in the business community, they struggle with just the fear of judgment. Yeah, I would say fear is a big one. Um, uh, you know, in real life, people are going to disappoint you. So if you meet someone who um, is a dentist and uh, they disappoint you, you can't write off all dentists. Mm-hmm. Um, you meet someone who's a Christian and you find out that they're not perfect and that they uh, they do sin. You can't write off all Christians. Mm-hmm. The only person who's not going to disappoint you is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so when people say to me, well, you know, so-and-so is a Christian. I want nothing to do with that because of that person. Well, Jesus didn't let you down, right? Right. So you just need to keep your eye on that. Yeah. Um, as far as being, uh, you know, saying I'm a Christian, I find that saying I'm a Christian is pretty easy for me to do. It's pretty mainstream. Um, it, it's tougher for me to say that I'm born again or, you know, I love Jesus. You know, sometimes I get the guts to do it, but other days I'm, I'm more afraid to say it. But, uh, you know, it, it, where I live and where I work, saying you're a Christian is pretty safe. Mm-hmm. Um, almost everyone I know stands for something. And you think, is being a Christian one of the top two or three things that you're going to be able to introduce yourself? I would say if you have room on your lapel for one uh, one lapel pin, what's it going to be? You know, is it going to be rotary or is it going to be, um, you know, the Steelers or is it going to be something else? What, what's important to you? And same with the bumper of your car. you got so much room there. You can't have 10 or 12 stickers. you got to stand for something. And right. there's no risk in, in North America anyway to being a Christian. Right. Well, and, you know, that's what I've discovered personally too is that when you stand for what you really believe in and you live it with with some with not only conviction but with genuine when people can see that you're genuine in your spirituality and that it's not religion right. but it is a genuine uh, way of living out you know the principles of Jesus being a true disciple a yeah. true student of Jesus they actually do respect it like we're afraid of judgment but what people do do, do is there's so few people that stand for anything in our true. culture that when they see that you stand for it they may not like it 
but they'll at least respect it. And, and, and those who really don't like it will just walk in the opposite direction, and those who respect it will be your real true friends. That's right. No, I, I think that not only will they respect, I think in most instances, um, it'll be attractive. Right. You know, so for single folks that are listening, you want to... You want to be attractive. Um, for me, it's about being consistent. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm different next time you see me, then you have a doubt about me. There's, I'm not attractive if you have doubts about about what I'm really made of. So it's about being consistent. You know, our message has to be relevant. Um, you have to be authentic. Yes. And these are the keys in my walk um, that make me, hopefully, a, a good um, witness of Jesus. Right. And. I want to express that those are more than just you throwing out a bunch of buzzwords. Because, yeah. like, everything nowadays is, like, well, authenticity. And, you know, but it, but it's true. Like, yeah. if you can be authentic and you can be genuine, yeah. and you can just be you and then let you. And, and, and the Bible says they will know us, know we are Christians by our love. If we are really, yes. truly, if we live out our lives with love and we care about people. Like, for example, today I was late for a meeting that I'm normally not late for, but that's a little bit of a joke between him and I. Uh, but uh, I was late for a meeting because somebody called me who was in crisis. Yeah. And so I had a very big decision to make. Do I do I meet the need of somebody who's a friend who's in crisis? Or, or do voicemail. I, or, 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 or voicemail. And, and, and so, like, the challenge... It, I mean, that doesn't happen every day, right? That's right. And so when, when the opportunity is to actually live out your faith and be who you say you are yes. and represent Jesus in a positive way to somebody who's hurting and in need and, may, and maybe doesn't know him, um, then that, that trumps everything. Yeah, thank you for taking my call, by the way, when I called you today. <laughs> um, and you said about, you know, they'll, they'll know us by our love. So for someone, you know, there's the thing about in the workplace about being um, you know, out there as a Christian, all you need to do is love people. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you're already being outed. Right. Because you are actually the person that loves, you care, you don't gossip. All those yeah. things that you know the people actually love people yeah. will do, um, you'll stand out. Right. And what I think is when I do something nowadays, if I whatever it is that I do that's charitable, I do it as a Christian as opposed to someone in the insurance business. Or you know, if you hear about a dentist who makes a nice donations, it's good for dentists. Mm-hmm. You hear about a Christian who does, does something good, it should be good for... Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, right. Exactly. We agree. We do. <laughs> and, and oh, those those buzzwords that I was throwing out there, those are my buzzwords. So yeah. relevance, consistency, accessibility, right, right. relationships, attitude, and action. That's but, there, but, the but the thing for you is more than just words. You yeah, actually do demonstrate right. it. So for those who know who Matt is, yeah. once you know him and you experience, you know, an interaction with with you, yes. then then people know that they can and see it. Where those real. where those words came from for me, and they're in a talk that I give all the time. It's um, that's what people are looking for from us, the Christians. It's also what people are looking for from their veterinarian and from their architect and from their dentist. They want you to be relevant. They want you to be consistent, and they want you to be accessible. Right. right. So why would it be any different for us, the Christians, that we can do it a different way? We can, right. you know, fly in and uh, drop something off and hope for the best and get out of town when I've got forty five hundred friends that don't go to church right. that I should be talking to. Right. Let's circle back to the Facebook thing. I know I was going to talk about it a little bit later, but because you brought it up, and I think it is important, uh, Facebook is one of these tools that is has basically infiltrated our society to, to a, a majority capacity, right? Yeah. Like most people in some way are on Facebook. Yeah. There's very few people that I know now, other than my wife, who is not on Facebook, right? Most people are on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, my 10-year-old daughter's on and my 75-year-old stepdad is on. Exactly. And so how can a pastor or a church in leadership team encourage their church to their people, their members to use Facebook in a way that represents not only Jesus, but their church as well. Yeah. Like, I'm amazed um, when I see people that don't use Facebook for 
the greater good. You know, they don't mention church. You know, I mention uh, every Saturday night I go to pizza church. That'll be my status every Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And the other, you know, hundreds of people that are there didn't mention it. Mm-hmm. So I think um, maybe just people just don't know that that is a tool that can be used for that. It's, you know, that's what I use to look at pictures or that's what I use to keep in touch with my friends from junior high. Well, I think every single tool, my car, my Facebook, my house, my wallet, can all be a tool for Jesus. Right. And I don't think we're asked to give just 10% of our income. We're asked to give all of it. everything, right? Yeah. So why wouldn't you be using your Facebook for something much more valuable than, you know, um, playing these card games or maybe we don't play card games, but, you know, all these other crazy <laughs> yeah. things that you might be doing on there. That's a waste of time. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's still fun to post a Dilbert cartoon or yeah. something, yeah. which I did yesterday. That was great, by the way. I know. <laughs> I, I couldn't help myself. Right? But so, so that is that is a fun way to use it. But when you mix it in with your spirituality, because yeah. like, I do the same thing as you, right? I post most Sunday mornings. I'll say, here's all I know what the message is already going to be because we have themes in, in place. So I'll, I'll say, you know, what, right now our church is doing a whole series on distrusting God. So I'll ask a question. Do you Have you ever felt that you can't trust God? Well, today is a great opportunity to come and hear why you can trust God. Yeah. And I invite you to join me at LifeRidge Church. So, yeah. that I mean, I'll do that. But very few people, you're right, I see your status doing that. I see a few other people I know doing it. But most people would never even think to invite their friends on Facebook yes. to their church. Well, do you know why? Because they're also not inviting their friends um, in real life either. Mm-hmm. So not to condemn anyone, because I don't always invite friends out every week, but I heard a stat that um, three out of four times that you ask, the fourth time they'll come. I exactly. think we give up after three. Right. And so on Facebook, maybe it's not quite as effective as three out of four or someone face-to-face that you work with to say it, but what if it takes ten times and you've posted it nine times and then you gave up? Right. So you, you can't give up. And I think the key is for church um, Facebook sites and for all of us and for me at my work, it can't be too corporate. It can't be too right. organized. You know, most big churches have someone on staff that makes sure that everything is perfect. Yeah. Even better than having that perfect um, Facebook site for my church, which no one who doesn't go to my church will never, ever visit. But I'm, I'm the Facebook site for my church, and okay. so are all the other people in the pews. So you need to... Be exposed and, you know, if you actually, it's something you love, you know, you tell your friends about where you went to lunch and the movie you saw and the great deal you got on jeans, but then this is one thing that's supposed to be really, really important, we forget to mention it. Exactly. And then we kind of bunker down and uh, just spend time with our Christian friends because it's, uh, there'll be maybe less uh, right. temptation and less uh, less things going on that you don't have to worry about, right? right. So we got to sort of roll up our sleeves and deal with our friends. They're waiting for us. Yeah. They're waiting for us to pray for them. I did a survey once, and I asked 10 people in a day, I said, do you mind if I pray for you? Everyone, 10 out of 10, not 9 out of 10. 10 out of 10, I said, yes, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Pray for me. Yeah. So they come to us when someone is sick. Um, they'll come to you. They'll come if you invite them to church. And I remember I heard a great gospel message at a Catholic funeral I was at, and the message was so good, and everyone in the place loved it. Maybe they hadn't heard it since Christmas or Easter or whatever. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, um, I said to afterwards, I said, that message is so good. It's, it's too good to just be used at, at funerals. Right, right. That comforting message is yeah. good all year round. Exactly. exactly. And people are looking for that hope and, and, and a sense of comfort because they're not getting it in their jobs or in their neighborhoods yeah. or whatever because we live in communities, yeah. but we really se- seldom really live in what is a, a genuine community. And, and the church has that opportunity to yeah. be that to a lot of people. Yeah, and, and I guess the only other thing I might say about the Facebook thing is, as leaders, as pastors, and as board members and other ministry leaders within a church, if you're in that position and you're listening, you need to model. Like, if you don't model what 
this type of behavior yeah. and start inviting your friends through Facebook. Why would anybody who's in your church that's looking for your leadership, why would, they, why would they model it? Bingo. Same with me as a dad. My kids do what they see me do. Right. Um, our pastor just got on Facebook in a big way, and he's doing a great job, and it's, uh, it looks authentic and real, and he's not uh, you're trying to convince anyone to do anything, but he's there now. Right. Right. So it's time, it's time to get on. It'd be crazy to overlook it when it's just another great tool to help grow your church and make it even more relevant and more accessible. Exactly. Love it. One last question. This, was, this may be bigger than what we can go into in too much depth, mm-hmm. but I think I know where you're going to come at it from. And you're a big proponent of business cards. So when you're networking or when you're meeting people, when you're out in the community, um, you should always, I know your stand is you should always have a business card on you yes. and you should always give them out. And, and I agree 100%. Yes. But maybe take a minute and speak a little bit from your experience. Um, you know, try to encourage a pastor or a church leader why they should be carrying business cards. Because I have to be honest, most pastors I meet either don't have a business card. Or, or it's they, terrible. Or, or it's terrible. And if they do have it on them, it's not usually well designed. Yeah. But most often, they don't even carry them. They're sitting in their desk room. So... Um, it, it, I think in the church world and in the uh, the business world, I think a lot of people need to see your name in writing to even remember your name. Mm. So for me, I have a photographic memory. Once I see your business card once, I'll never forget you. So um, it's not about you giving out the card. It's it's about the other person receiving the card and the fact that you're doing it so that they will not be uncomfortable and not be able to remember your name. Every time I shake someone's hand, I say, good to see you again. Or I say, it's, it's Matt Whitman. And they're like, I know it's you, Matt. Mm-hmm. But I'm, it's about them. It's not about me saying my name. It's about letting them off the hook because they don't remember my name. Right. And um, another thing I realized recently is that when people aren't seeing me, they're not thinking about me. Um, so literally, if, if you don't see me today, you, I'm probably not going to pop into your head unless you see something I posted on Facebook mm-hmm. or I clicked like on your page or you see my business card turns up in the corner of your drawer or something right. you know, or next to your stick shift. So that's why it's worth it. It's about other people. It's not about us. My three-step process, and it works in work, and I think it'll work at church, is build a huge network. So I'm about a quantity network because the quality people are in my quantity network. Mm-hmm. If you have a quality network with 30 people, you don't have the 5,000 people that I have. Build a huge network. Make sure everyone knows what you do, what you stand for, and who you are, step two, and then touch them often. Don't just touch people when you want them to come to your Christmas play. Don't just touch people when you want them to make a donation. Touch people all the time, and that's where Facebook in particular, but any of the social networking and having a business card out there, it touches people so that it's another on-ramp for them to engage with you. It's all about that. Well, it's consistency, and what it is is essentially what you're talking about there, um, if you want to get technical from my marketing lens, is you're doing personal marketing. You're, You're marketing you and you're marketing whatever you're associated with, your church, your you know, nonprofit organization, yeah. the boards you're on, whatever, right? So my new, uh, my new business card has uh, eight <laughs> logos on it, and uh, my, uh, my business card guy said, um, I wanted to have 38 logos, and the designer said, um, uh, you, so you want logo soup, and that's exactly what I want. I wanted every single thing that I'm on there because there would be something there that would catch your eye and catch your interest. If you just have one thing on your card, they might write you off. But if you're a pastor and you have your church, why don't I mention some of the other charitable things that you're involved in or even right. some of the community things. You're involved with uh, the school basketball team. Right. Get some more stuff out there so you're more than one-dimensional. Right. right. And, and what I uh, encourage pastors with is that your business card is more than just, uh, you know, helping people understand who you are and get your yes. contact information it is your invitation to them to come to your church yes and, right and and really all of our business cards if we're doing them well from a marketing standpoint they are invitations to participate in what we do 
That's right. And, and, and you know, it could be business or it could be ministry. Right? And so for the people in the congregation that have a business card and if they're self-employed, they could even put the church logo on the back of their card. Yes. Why not? Like maybe sure. encourage some of your people to put um, logos on their cards. Yeah. Of things, you know, of the church in this case, but other things that are important to you. And all of a sudden people know you're about more than just one thing. Because most people, the one thing they're about is about the work. And you have no idea what they're doing on Sunday morning. Exactly. Now, one last quick thing is what, what would you suggest as a follow-up process when you receive a card, mm. what do you do with it? Um, I instantly send an email to everyone I meet. So that's step number one. Um, I often don't hear back, but at least I did my thing and I'm off the hook. And then right. their email is uh, kind of saved on my, my BlackBerry in my case. Um, I always follow up first. My two rules of networking are network long before you have to. So don't just network when you're finally looking for a job or you're looking for something because people will see through it and follow up first. You know, the difference to go from good to great, and in, in, in my business, it's going from like average to good. It's just follow up. Mm-hmm. It's not about collecting business cards. It's about doing something with the business cards. And in my case, it's about um, uh, collecting those cards and then connecting those people with other people that I know. Yeah. You know it's about the network that I yeah. bring. Yeah. That's yeah. my thing. And well, and the key there is follow up. And Gotta. 95% of the people that I run into that I give a business card, they never respond. They never right. follow up. And I, do a sim- I started doing a similar thing as you a number of years ago. When I get somebody's card, I immediately, when I get back to my office or home, I send them an email and just Easy. say, it was nice meeting you. That's, That's all it. you have to say, yeah. right? And then I provide a link to my website. Yeah. And like you, I often don't get a response, but sometimes I do six months later. Yeah, right? and, months and later. that card turns up. I've never thrown out a business card, so that card's yeah. going to pop up again. So I'll just give them another try. Yeah. And maybe it was just bad timing. And, you know, maybe we're going to be prompted and some divine Holy Spirit will yeah. tell us it's time to try it again. Yeah. And why would we give up after one follow-up on a business card? We said it takes you know, three or four to asks to come to our church, nine or ten posts on Facebook. Why would you follow up once? Right. Well, that's perfect. You've, you've given a lot of good pieces of information for every church leader to consider, and I hope that a bunch of them will start implementing it now so that they can have greater impact in their community. Yeah, thanks. So before we go, just give people your sort of online coordinates. How, if somebody wants to follow up with you on Facebook... Um, or through your website, where do they find it? Um, I would say go to my website because it links to my Facebook, and my website is mattwhitman.ca, so M-A-T-T-W-H-I-T-M-A-N.ca, and there you can link to me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, definitely go there, and my email address is mat2312, which is my favorite Bible verse, matt2312 at gmail.com. Excellent. Well, thanks for being continuing to be my friend and, yeah. and doing this. This was a lot of fun. I enjoyed chatting about these sorts of things. I know it's going to be a lot of help. Thanks. The end of the hide, tell me, Chris.